Chapter thirty three of France to Scandinavia by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. The Helpful Hen and the Cooperative Cow. In the little town of Hillerode, in the heart of the island of Zealand, under the shadow of the mighty castle of Fredericksburg, erected by a king of Denmark when the pilgrims were climbing out of the Mayflower on to Plymouth Rock, I write of an egg. It is a big egg, a fresh egg, and moreover an egg of pure gold. It is not, however, the golden egg celebrated in fiction by that Danish creator of fairies, Hans Christian Andersen. That egg was laid by a goose. This one is laid by a hen. I do not know whether she is a black langshan, a minorca, a leghorn, or a white wyandot, but she is one of the eighteen million hens, each of which keeps dropping into the pockets of the Danes from two hundred to two hundred and fifty eggs every year the helpful hen lays in one year more than six hundred million eggs for export in addition to those consumed in denmark and she has increased her annual product more than one-third in the last decade there are now something like sixty thousand chicken farmers belonging to the egg export association who raise their chickens according to rule and ship the product in common they are combined into more than 500 local societies to which they must deliver every egg laid except those used on their tables and to which each pays a fine of $1.38 every time he lets a bad one slip in. The constitution of every society provides that the members collect the eggs daily from the nests and deliver them weekly and that no egg delivered shall be more than seven days old. Each society is numbered, and the number must be stamped on each egg so that every bad egg can be traced back to the farm and almost to the nest in which it was laid. The result is that the eggs sold are uniformly good and command the highest price on the market. Along about two generations ago, one could buy two eggs for a cent here all the year through. A little later, steamers began to run direct from Copenhagen to England and these cheap danish eggs found favor there shortly after our civil war one million eggs were exported and they brought eight thousand dollars within twenty years the number had multiplied one hundred times and now the figure is around six hundred and twenty-five million eggs bringing seven or eight cents apiece today danish eggs are used all over england and millions go to other countries as well during my motor trips over denmark I have visited the egg farms. The chickens are kept in yards surrounded by high fences of wire closely woven. Each pen is about 50 feet square. It is carpeted with grass, and in its center is a little red hen house made of boards about 6 feet in height, 6 feet wide, and 8 feet long. This contains roosts and nests. It has a number upon it, and by this number the chickens within are recorded in the stock books of the farm. Each pen contains a rooster and perhaps one dozen hens, and every hen has a little metal anklet about her right leg upon which is stamped her number so that the farmer can tell exactly to what extent she is earning her living. The chickens are fed on grain and chopped feed. They have also cooked potatoes and tankage and just the right proportion of crushed bone to supply the lime for eggshells. The business is carefully studied and the best breeds are chosen. One of the farmers I visited tells me his best layers are the white leghorn, 
although he keeps also Plymouth Rocks, White Wyandots, Black Langshans, and Menorcas. Here at Hillerode, I have visited the packing establishment of one of the egg export societies. It is a long, low, one-story building filled with cases of eggs, each egg in its little pasteboard compartment, like those used for shipping eggs in the United States. These cases come in from the farms. As soon as they arrive, the eggs are taken out by young women and laid on a network of woven wire fitted into the top of a barrel over two incandescent light globes of 100 candle power. Except for these globes, the room is dark, and as the powerful light shines through the eggs, it shows the least age or defect. Every egg which has not a translucent red color is taken out, and those which are not perfect are set aside by themselves. If they are bad, they are destroyed, and the farmer must pay his fine. Some of the imperfect eggs are used for pickling, which means that they are packed away in vats of lime water, which serves the same purpose as cold storage, enabling them to be sold as pickled eggs during the winter. After candling, the good eggs are sorted according to size and packed in excelsior. First comes a layer of excelsior and then a layer of eggs, followed by another of excelsior and another of eggs until they fill the box, which is about two feet wide, one foot high, and perhaps five feet in length. The eggs are sold by the pound or by the score and not by the dozen as with us. They are sometimes packed in small cases of 16 pounds each. They are then ready for shipment to England. The manager of the society tells me he can easily decide the approximate age of an egg by its appearance over the electric light. He showed me how, in a perfectly fresh egg, the yolk lies in the center, and how each egg contains a little pocket of air, which he says is placed there by the Lord to give breath to the baby chicken before it expands its lungs in the open. After the egg attains an age of a week or so, the yolk is apt to leave the center and drop down to the side of the shell, and there are other indications which show the number of days since the egg left the hen. It was just after twelve today when Valdemar Hansen shut off the gas and put on the brakes of our automobile in front of one of the Danish cooperative creameries. The employees, several men and a half dozen women, were seated on the grass outside eating their lunch. We photographed them and then went with the manager inside to look at the separators in which the cream is taken out of the milk and at the great churns, each of which makes 400 pounds of butter in about 25 minutes. The cream is chemically soured and churned the same day it is received. The manager tells me he handles milk brought in by 330 farmers and that the amount he received this morning was just 20,627 pounds. The milk is paid for according to the butter fat it contains and most of the farmers test their own milk and some even keep a record of the percentage of butter fat in the milk of each cow. After separating, the skim milk is taken home to be fed to the hogs, which later are sold to the cooperative bacon societies for export to England. Leaving the churning room, we went into the steaming compartment, in which cream, after sterilization, is put up in half-pint and pint bottles for export. By this time, the women had come back to work, and we could see how the packing was done. Everything was exquisitely clean. The concrete floors are flooded and scrubbed every morning. The manager and the employees wear wooden-soled shoes. 
there are more than 1,200 cooperative dairy associations in Denmark, and the farmers belonging to them number about 200,000. They produce in a year more than 200 million pounds of butter, which is sold through the cooperative societies. It brings in over $2 million a week, or more than $100 million a year. Nevertheless, it is only a few decades since Danish butter had the nickname 40 Rod. This came from the fact that it was so bad that the smell could be detected a city block away from where it was kept. The butter was not then known as Danish butter. It was sold to German middlemen of Kiel and Hamburg, who exported it under the name of Kiel butter to England, where it brought about 12 cents a pound. Today, except for New Zealand, no land exports butter so uniformly good as Denmark, and none has cows that produce so much all the year round. The Danes pride themselves on the high average production of all of their cows rather than on that of any individual animal. Everything is measured by butter fat, and the average yield of all these cows entered on the official records is now about 440 pounds per cow for every 12 months. The average proportion of butter fat exceeds 4%. Still, Denmark has some good record cows. I have before me the reports of two which competed for a silver cup prize some years ago. Each of these gave more than 40,000 gallons in the first three years of her milk-producing life, and one named Silke yielded two pounds of butter a day for every one of the 365 days of her third year, with 33 pounds to spare. If they are out in the fields, the cattle of Denmark wear overcoats when it rains or the weather is cold. I have mentioned how they are kept in the stables day and night for seven months every year, and fed occasionally out of doors during the day in the other five months of the year. In their grazing, they are not allowed to run wild. As in France, each cow has her halter, to which is attached a chain eight feet in length, fastened to a stake in the ground, so that she can feed only to the length of her chain. After she has cropped her circle as clean as though the grass had been cut by a lawnmower, she moves loudly, and I am told that the farmer knows from this signal that it is time to change her location. At any rate, he then comes out with a maul, like that with which one drives steel wedges in splitting logs. He pulls up the stake and leads the cow to a fresh feeding ground, where he pounds the pin down into the ground again. I took photographs today of ten cows and one bull feeding that way in an unfenced meadow. Each animal had a blanket of canvas covering all of its body but its head, neck, tail, and legs below the knees. The cows mooed as we photographed them, thinking, I suppose, that we might be about to give them new circles of pasture. The chief breeds of cattle here are the Red Danish and a black and white breed especially adapted to Jutland. The first is the better. There are also a few Jerseys and some milking shorthorns. I saw some of the best Danish cows this afternoon during a visit to the Coal Coal Farm within 10 miles or so of Copenhagen. There were perhaps 100 in the stable, and each weighed, I judge, under 1,200 pounds. I saw there also some high pedigreed Danish bulls. None of them was half as heavy as the $10,000 shorthorn bulls on the Carpenter Ross Farm near Mansfield, Ohio. End of chapter 33